rdtdaily.com presents a Tara Buster with comedian Tara Devlin. Hello, what's up? My God, it feels like forever. And I'm standing up. <laughs> I got a new standing desk. Well, I had I got an extension for my desk. It was really a matter of life or death because it was my ass was killing me sitting in that chair. My back. This is the problem. One of the unforeseen consequences of the pandemic is um, not moving around as much. So it's not good to just sit all day. And anyway, so now we have we have standing. Hopefully we'll have sound throughout the whole show. That's one of the things you never know when you're watching Tower Buster. Whether all of a sudden there'll be no sound. So, you know. That's why I ask you to become a patron at patreon.com slash Tara Devlin. And we already have the chat room filling up with our regular Tara Buster, our OG Tara Busters. Haiku, hello. Hello, Lori. Hello, Arthur. <laughs> I understand. Arthur said, if I had money, I'd donate. Don't worry, Arthur. Your presence is also worth its weight in gold, really. We will grow with people like you. So thank you so much. Oh, man. All right, Lori, right out of the gate. What a very awesome, generous super chat. Thank you so much, Lori. And thank you, Haiku, for your super chat and all everything else that you do, including um, being a moderator of the chat room. So if you're in a, on any other channel, if you're on whatever, Periscope, I there's a lot of Trump and Z's on there for some reason, Facebook, come on over to YouTube at youtube.com slash C for channel slash RDT Daily Media. All right, it's been a crazy couple of days. I didn't, I, I haven't been able to do a show because I, you know, I'm, ha I'm having issues in the house here with the cats getting sick. So, little Ray, we adopted Ray, we, me, me, myself, and I, um, <laughs> me and Tara Jr. Jr. and Francis Jr. Jr. adopted little Ray, who was um, living on the street, a little, he's about six months old, a little kitten, and um, I guess he brought something in the house because the other two got sick, and Francis got sick. First, Tara Jr. Jr. got sick, and now Francis got sick, and he's having a hard time recovering. So yesterday, I had to take him back to the vet because he got another fever, and he was throwing up. So it was another one of those days I had to take him because I can't leave him like that. Had to do something. They really don't know what it is. They can they suspect it's viral like people he ray brought something in that they had no defense for so yeah all right and that's what happened because i was going to do a show last night anyway just catching you up francis is where is he oh he's sleeping over here so hopefully he's feeling better We'll have to give time time, and I'll keep you posted on that. He seems better today, but he's not 100%, I could tell. 
uh, as long as he doesn't have a fever, we're heading in the right direction. It's kind of scary when they get fevers. And plus, they start acting bizarre, and they can't tell you what's wrong. So I'm... What happened was Francis was, he just wasn't acting himself. And he started to drink out of the toilet. <laughs> this is how I knew he had a fever. Something was wrong. I, I was like, are you delirious or something? He never does that. So he was cuckoo. Uh, I know that other animals do that. He never does that. He would never do that. It's weird. It was not in his wheelhouse of possibilities. So... Obviously, he was, yeah, he was, uh, what do you call it? He must have been delirious. All right, yeah, let's get back, let's get to work here. I'm just filling you in on what the hell's going on in my my life. This, you know, limited life, uh, you know, we're only here for this blip of time. So it's kind of bizarre that we have to share it with a lot of assholes, really. Isn't it? Sad? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I sound like Trump now. Sad. Everything's sad. And unfair. That's the thing with Trump. Everything is so unfair with him, isn't it? This big, giant, white-privileged succubus. He's re he is a parasite on the ass of humanity, on the pimple on the ass of humanity. So, of course, we were always going to end up at this point, and how I've been saying this forever, okay, all day, you guys know my drill, I, I have, I listen to MSNBC, usually, I gotta change channels, frankly, it's, they're really, I don't know, they need a new programmer in there, it's the same people all the time, Claire McCaskill, um, What's his, what's his name? Michael Steele. All of these Republicans or right-wing Democrats. Jason Johnson. Whatever. All they do is repeat the same guests constantly. Anyway, of course, they would never have anybody like me on because I'm actually a Democrat. But all day I kept hearing, because they're discussing what... Trump is, he's not man enough, frankly, to attend Joe Biden's inauguration. And it's not Joe Biden being inaugurated. It re really is, in the light of history, when you think about all of the republics that have fallen and the history of Western civilization, or recorded history, that when you understand this little blip of time that we're sharing on the planet, on in this blip of soil, that the that a republic is an aberration, and so is the peaceful transfer of power. So that truly is something to be proud of, and something you would want to emulate. You you know, if you're a mature, uh, self-assured or you know, not a little bunch of whiny little bitches like the entire Republican Party. But they, all day, they're going, talking about how Trump is trying to overturn the election. Of course he is. And there's, there's no other way for him to end his time in the White House 
He will end as ignobly as he began, just like he'll end his life as ignobly as he began. A, a, a loser. Oh, yeah, he can surround himself with all the gilded crap that any ugly, taste, tacky, tasteless sociopath could ever accumulate, but he obviously... All of the outside trappings betray what's really going on, that he is an empty pit. So all day they were saying how um, he want, how dangerous it is for him to try to overthrow the election, how he doesn't have a leg to stand on. Of course, all of that is true. And periodically we'll get the... Uh, former Republican or right-wing Democrat pondering what's wrong with the Republican Party. Of course, they don't call the Republican. They call it the Republican Party. I don't know, Republican Party? When it really is the Republican Party. But they, they keep asking to no one in particular, what's wrong with the Re Republicans? Why? Don't they stand up to him? What is it that he has on them? What's in it for them? And I, I, yeah, I want to be on MSNBC. <laughs> Errol says, Tara, try being a guest on M on either CNN or M MSNBC. Yeah, I would love to. They would never have me on. You understand? Because I don't know. Maybe they would. No, I'm probably too. I'm too uh, real for them, really, because I'm not right. I'm not a right wing Democrat. They'll have a couple of actual Democrats on there every now and then. You notice you never have AOC on there. She would go on there, and she probably should. They certainly bash her enough. And who else do they have? Oh, they have Anand Girahardes on there. He's probably the only. Um, real, I guess, progressive that's on there. I don't know. Anybody else have any other names that I'm missing uh, who uh, are real progressive? Mean, of course, they'll have Bernie on there every now and then. But in between bashing him, uh, Malloy was on once with Kasich. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> that must have been a long time ago. Resist Evolve says on the chat. Oh, shit. Hold on. The microphone just fell out of the damn hole. Don't you hate when shit falls out of the hole? Or this, That's a disgusting thing that I just said. I didn't mean to say it like that. Let's rewind and pretend I never said that. All right. Um, what was I saying? Yes, so they keep asking what's wrong with the Republican Party, and hence, yet again, there goes my hypothesis. What I, what I always say that the corporate media is really part of the reason we're in this boat. Of course it is. The deregulation of the media and how we will not win without owning the message. Just the fact that they have to continuously ponder what's wrong with the Republican Party says to me that they're, they're holding on to this notion of what they've 
hope and believe. It's sort of like Joe Biden, him trying to, oh, I'm going to heal this country. We're going to work with these fascists. They're not interested in working with you or us. They're not interested in democracy. Obviously, look at their standard bearer. If they were interested in anything remotely related to having a democratic society, a constitutionally limited democratic republic that promoted the general welfare, would they have a tax-cheating, draft-dodging, dictator-envying con man with a fake university and a vitamin scam as their standard bearer? Absolutely not. Would they let it get to the point where he's outwardly abusing the entire system. Of course he is. They're, they're sucking on the federal treasury like, you know, like the rapacious parasites that they are. But that's been the game from the get-go. That's the same game the Republicans are playing. So, and they constantly ask whoever, us, I suppose, are we supposed to... I guess it's sort of like being with, um, it's being a battered spouse in a way where you're in denial that, oh, I can change him or her, or yeah, uh, you'll hearken back to the days when, well, when we first met, uh, it was beautiful. We used to take these long walks and we looked in each other's eyes and everything was beautiful. And well, um, let's, what's going on now? When was the last time that happened? When was the last time the right-wingers, the Republican Party, had any interest in democracy? I mean, really. I guess, as Tom Hartman says, the last legitimately elected Republican president was Eisenhower. Since then, there's all been Republican dirty tricks. From, from, um, Reagan committing treason. I mean, treason is an, is an electoral strategy for the right-wingers, for the Republicans. So, of course, we were always going to end up in this position. Unfortunately, I guess, I mean, maybe that's human nature, that we're in denial, that I'm not in denial, you're not in denial, but... There are so many people in power. I don't know if they're in denial. I guess, let's, let's uh, think this through. Are they in denial? I'm sure that some of them are in denial, but others are benefiting from the system. So they really don't have the, you know, they don't have the, the spine. They don't have the passion to do anything about it. Like Chuck Schumer. Really, have you listened to any Chuck Schumer speeches lately? You better bring a book. Or maybe you listen to it if you have trouble sleeping because it's the damn cure for insomnia. And they're talking about the decline and fall of the American Republic and how... Donald F. and Trump and his right-wing fascist friends are an existential threat to the grand experiment in liberal democracy. And where, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer can't even, I don't know, he has, he can't even work up a sweat about it. So, 
Um, are they in denial? I think that they're probably, it's sort of like when you're, it's, this is why it's, you guys know I'm in recovery of, uh, you know, I was a drug addict. I'm in recovery and it's sort of like when you're in the community of recovering people, you're kind of each other's mirror. And when you're in a situation you get a lot of opinions and advice. And I and I always, you know, you have a sponsor. I, you know, I'm not really supposed to be breaking anonymity or anything, or my own anonymity. But, and that's because when you're in the midst of whatever situation you're in, well, I guess it goes for people not in recovery, it just goes for life in general. But if you're in the middle of a situation, it's always good to get an outside perspective because you're you're so in the picture you can't you can't see the picture you're so your nose is pressed up against the picture you can't see the whole thing so is it that is that the case with Chuck Schumer he's been so embedded in this broken ass system that he he thinks it's functioning i don't know um i doubt it now now that i'm saying because really like everything no Know it by its fruits, right? What's the point of a functioning government? If this government was functioning, we would not have nearly 300,000 Americans dead. Oh, that's for goddamn sure. If it was functioning, there wouldn't be people on bread lines. There wouldn't be, and even before the pandemic, we wouldn't have a, uh, a country where the majority, over 80% of the American people are living check to check. That in itself should be on the goddamn ticker tape. This is what I want to hear on, you know, MSNBC. And we don't hear that because it's part of the problem. You understand? This is why... It's so important to support the liberal media. It really is. And you're looking at the liberal media. I hope I live to see the day where the things that we talk about on this show are common knowledge, that they're spread from sea to shining sea, that, it, that the American people understand what, we're, what they're truly up against. And it's not just Donald Trump. He's just the con man who took advantage of the system. He took advantage of the cracks in the system and has, he has absolutely no, um, morality. I mean, he's really a sick and sad man when it comes down to it. I mean, and I say man loosely because he's not a man. He's He's an insult to men, really. To call him a man is to honor him. He's not a man. He's not a human. He is a whiny little bitch. And no offense to bitches. And I, and I was thinking today, calling him a bitch, because when I was writing the description of the show or whatever, I was like, whiny little bitch. And I was like, is this um, sexist, misogynist to say bitch or whiny little bitch? But it's no. And then I thought, no, I'm not really referring to a woman. 
but to call, um, because I wouldn't call anybody a bitch otherwise, well, except maybe, you know, Ann Coulter or something. I don't know what, I wouldn't call her a bitch. That's too lazy. I mean, Trump is really the definition of a bitch. I mean, take all those other definitions off the table. You know, it's not, oh, you're a bitch, you know, when you're, uh, when you're a woman who doesn't know her place, right? Put those aside. Trump really is the definition of a bitch. He, he's a bitch. He really is. How else can you describe it besides the cancer, the scum on the scum on the cancer on the scum? He truly is a bitch. He's a whiny little bitch. He's a sad, sick little bitch. He's, he's a bitch of every person that has something over him. He's a wannabe bitch. He's a basic bitch. Isn't he? There's nothing more basic than him. There is nothing more boring than him. A, a An old cracker who, who falls ass backwards into everything, who fails upwards, but doesn't, but can't even see, can't ha- doesn't even have the humanity, the dignity, the decency to, to understand, to be grateful. He just wants, he wants more. Right, Andrea on the chat. He's a cliche. He, he's a cliche of a grifter. If you wrote this, he wouldn't, it would be too outrageous. And he's a suffering little bitch. Like all of his bitch wasted, you wasted sperm, that's for sure. Known as Ivanka, uh, Eric, Don Jr. Um, who knows what's going to happen with, what's his name? The other one, the kid. Oh, I think he's got, or they say he has autism, but whatever. He should be lucky if he has autism. Maybe he's, he can disassociate from his whiny little bitch father. But he really is. Um, the, he's a, uh, he's sad. Somebody who can't, who honestly, when he dies, yes, poor Baron, whatever. I don't care about Baron. Oh, Let's, uh, whatever. I'm not picking on Baron. I don't really care. I don't think about him. But, um, but you know that when Twitler dies, he, he's going to be the saddest, most suffering sucker to ever waste every, waste a breath, waste 70 something years of his life. And, and it is a true waste. Really, he couldn't, who, who will never, he never knew what it was like to have a friend, right? To love somebody, to truly love somebody. Of course he doesn't, he has, he doesn't have the ability to love. And I know, I mean, I'm not an expert, but I've had a lot of therapy, but I also read a lot of books. And one of the books I think we talked about on the show was, it's called The Sociopath Next Door by Martha Stout. And that's a pretty interesting book. You should check it out. And I read it. When I read that book, I, it's almost like too much knowledge. That's what 
it's like sophomoric knowledge. That's what the whole, well, you know, what that's what sophomore means. A little bit of knowledge. Being a sophomore it really means wise fool. So you have, that's why it's the second year of high school or college, because you have a little bit of knowledge, just enough to be dangerous. So um, with <laughs> when I read Martha Stout's book, uh, I was like, I, everything that I encountered, I thought, is, is this a sociopath? Are they a sociopath? But clearly, Twitler is a sociopath. And one of the things I remember reading in her book was that sociopaths are very sad people, too, because a, a lot of them end up taking their own lives They, because they really don't have um, a, um, a, I don't know, what's... A happy existence. So, does he look like a happy mother effer? Twitler? All of them. The whole family. And and having a lot of therapy myself, as you guys know, the uh, and being in recovery, every, it's always a family dynamic. You know, the family is sick when... You know, once there's an addict in the house, the the whole family is suffering. Same thing with Twitler's family. What a sick fucking family that is. And everything about them is full of shit. Everything. You understand everything. Imagine living your life and everything you've done is a scam. Everything, including faking the presidency. He didn't even run to be the president for real. He thought he was going to lose and that it was going to be a great marketing for him running a network or, or launching his right-wing grievance network. Everything he's done. He's a liar. Everything. He's a liar he has to he had to pretend to be a successful businessman he had to pretend to be in love with ivana and marla and and whatever her name is melanie <laughs> i know her name is melania he wrote melanie once on twitter i remember <sighs> he called her melanie on twitter <laughs> but oh hey hey what do i know maybe there was a melanie but that's how he, you know, he's, he's a sick person. He's only with these women, not because he loves them, but because he thinks they give him status somehow. Because deep down inside, he knows what a fraud he is. He knows that he sucks. Yes, right. Laurie says, and Melania has a son. <laughs> That's right. That's what he said that time. He was being interviewed, and he said, she has a son. We ha and then he, he was like, yeah, yeah, well, he, well, she has a son. Uh, we have a son uh, together, or we. Well, who cares, we? It's of course. There you go. All right, let's get into it. I'm, I don't know. I'm just riffing on Trump being a sociopath. This is no great uh, revelation, obviously. And before I keep going, thank you 
first of all, Haiku for your super chat, Lori for your super chat, JD for your super chat and pounds. You're making me, you're breaking my heart, longing for the old country. And Jim, thank you for your super chat. Because I often wonder, you guys know, my grandparents came from Ireland, and I'm all, I'm, I think about this all the time. Why? Why? <laughs> Would I be a happier person? Pers I am happy. I'm happy. I'm not like Twitler. I'm not a sociopath. In fact, I'm, I'm like to the opposite of sociopath. I'm too much. Uh, I have too much empathy. Well, can you have too much empathy? Probably not. <clears throat> I think that's the way we're supposed to be. That's what we're, human beings are supposed to have empathy. We have empathy. That's the way we were. Most of us were programmed. That's the way Mother Nature programmed us because we're interdependent and we're supposed to, we're supposed to feel for others. We're supposed to, our hearts are supposed to bleed for others. When we see the food lines, we're supposed, and we're not on the food lines, we're supposed to feel angry and want to do something and want to help our fellow human beings. When we see babies being ripped from the arms of their mothers and then being lost in a system, never to be reunited, we're supposed to be outraged. Not like these scums, you know, that's what's so sickening. They, that this policies, the policies that they've enacted are so anti-American. They're so anti-everything we're supposed to be doing here. Promoting the general welfare. It's just right out of the Nazi playbooks to do something like that. To do, to, to commit a crime against humanity. And that's exactly what that is. Ripping children from their parents, it traumatizes them for life. Never mind the parents. And then you've created all of these traumatized human beings who live in the world with us now. And we get to live in the consequences of the actions or the trauma the, uh, amongst a, a traumatized population. And that has re repercussions as well. So to do that deliberately as a policy and call themselves a Christian and call themselves patriots, that is right out of the Nazi playbook, I hate to tell you. Another one of the books I've read and I think I discussed on the show is called, what was it called? Ordinary Men was by... Christopher Browning, World War II historian, Christopher Browning. And he wrote about this, if I remember correctly, a, um, a reserve police, um, auxiliary police force in Poland after the occupation by the Nazis. After the Nazis took over, they en enlisted this reserve police unit to uh, round up the Jews, you know, their neighbors, and, you know, kill them. So this, uh, this Christopher Browning wrote, wrote about, um, these weren't, these weren't party members, 
these were, they weren't Nazis. They weren't official Nazis. They weren't even Germans. They were part of an occupation. They were Polish, um, you know, collaborators, obviously, who were committing war crimes, but following orders. They were, um, you know, they could have been anybody. So the point is that they justified, I always remember that, they justified their their actions. It wasn't that they were committing war crimes or committing these horrible, undeniable crimes against humanity. They were doing it because they, they loved their country. So, and the, if you interviewed Nazis at the time, that's how they would consider themselves. They were patriots, and when they were rounding up the Jews or uh, the uh, the communists, the gays, the gypsies, whoever, the political uh, prisoners or whoever they got in the way, they would excuse it. At, well, they not excuse it. They they said they were doing it out of love, love for their country. And that's another thing. You know, these people aren't so far removed from us. They are us. That's why we have to be hypervigilant. And guess what, right-wingers? They are you. They're, they are absolutely, it's Trump. Absolutely, it's the right-winger. All of them. Lindsey Graham. All of them. All, all the fascist propaganda networks covering up everything that they're doing, excusing everything that they're doing in the name of patriotism? How? How? Trust me, <clears throat> as I say all the time, history won't, will not um, remember them with honor. They're not going to look back. What do you think the future is going to say? Future generations. When they look back on this time, are they going to say, oh, that poor, poor Trump, he was robbed. He was only trying to help. He, he only, he loved his country when he, when he ordered babies to be ripped from the arms of their mothers. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Can't you imagine that when finally, when Joe Biden and and halfway normal people get into the White House, what what they're gonna find if they can find it? You know they're having shredding parties, and which is another reason why Twitter is not conceding. He's not bringing uh, Joe Biden into the White House. It's he's pathetic, but he's covering his ass. So. Um, anyway, but that's, this is who they are. In fact, let me actually, when I was speaking about this, this is article, hold on. Thank you, Errol Thomas, for your super chat. And if you guys, anyone else on Facebook or Periscope or where else? Um, what's that other place? Twitch. You can join us on the YouTube chat. 
YouTube.com slash C for channel slash RDT Daily Media. Actually, I think I could put that in there. Let me see. I'll put it in the chat right here. Because that's where everybody's hanging out. Is it weird? It doesn't look like I'm standing, does it? I've been standing all day. I feel like a new woman. I can't sit. It's not good for you to sit all day. Sit on my aunt. What's this, too? Oh, I got a stain on my shirt. Look at this shit. What is this? I look like crap. Eh, what are you going to do? All right. Uh, where's this article? I, I came across this article in foreignpolicy.com. It was written in July by Michael Hirsch. And it's called Why Fascists Fail. And I thought I'd read a little bit to get us in the mood to destroy fascism. <clears throat> so it's an essay by Michael Hirsch. And he writes, History's autocrats have been the architects of their own demise. Even if he seizes power, so will Trump. Joe Biden, then, now this is written in, like I said, in July. Joe Biden, who is way ahead in the polls, has called it his single greatest concern. What if Donald Trump refuses to leave office freely if Biden, the presumptive, whatever, we, we know, this is the backgrounder, but thankfully Biden won. Okay, last weekend, the president openly suggested to Fox News that he might not accept the results. Well, we knew this was going to happen. He said the same thing in 2016. Okay, alternatively, what if Trump doesn't seize power illegally but is actually reelected? Surely that would amount to a virtual mandate in his mind to ignore the Constitution and law of the land altogether. Plenty of fascists, past and present, from Benito Mussolini to Vladimir Putin, have made mincemeat of vulnerable democratic systems to install themselves as autocrats. For more than four years, legions of Trump critics have accused him of, of having fascist tendencies. I'm just saying it like that. That's not how it's written. And American democracy now appears badly wounded. Absolutely. And which is another reason why, when I was thinking about what to name the show tonight, not that it matters, really. We go off in all different directions. But I was thinking, really, we have to, we really need to get rid of these Fascists, and I, and I mean legally and peacefully. We either have to ignore them and keep moving forward without them, and or or we have to split this country up. We can't have a functioning democratic republic with uh, with with them. Okay, obviously, clearly. 40-something, what is it, 40%? They're saying now the, the, the well, 70% of the Republican monster show doesn't think Joe Biden was legally elected. And they know that's, the, the ones in leadership know that's a lie. They're deliberately creating this. So there's, the, this is our choice. If, does Joe Biden really think being nice to these fascists 
is going to bring them on side. As finally, they're going to all of a sudden say, "Oh yeah, oh great, we yeah, you know what? We'll go along with democracy, and if we lose an election, we'll we'll do the building coalition thing. We'll knock on doors. We'll try to get the people to see it our way instead of." gerrymandering and voter suppressing and kicking people off the rolls. I mean, this is what they do. They have always been an anti-democratic death cult. Absolutely. They're not in it for the general welfare. They're not in it for the goddamn mom and apple pie and the goddamn, uh, I don't know, American way. They're in it. Well, we know why. The the ones in power are in it for money and power of the few, and the ones who follow them, the idiots who are living, one of those living check-to-check people, they're in it, they're following the fascists because it gives them something. It gives them a feeling of belonging. It gives them their, their white privilege. They get permission to be an, um, a devolved racist. That's what it comes down to. Oh, yeah. They don't like being called racists. Well, stop being racist. That's what it is. If they really could get a little help for their sickness and go see, some, go see a shrink or something, I don't know, really have the courage to look yourself in the eye and truly assess yourself. You know, there's nothing more courageous than that, than taking an honest inventory of your life, good and bad. I mean, nobody can be perfect like Trump. We get it. Most of us have um, fall failings. We have strengths and minuses and weaknesses. That's why humanity is interdependent. We're better together. We're not all down at the same time. Some of us are strong in one area and others are strong in another area and we're weak in other areas and we make up the differences. But we all have value. We are all in it together. But not everybody can be like Trump. I know he's, you know, there were two perfect people, Republicans tell us, Jesus and then Trump. But who's never made a mistake. But if they really think, if these, if the Democrats, really, it's time for an intervention on on the Democrats too, these corporate Democrats. Enough. How many other times when you watch corporate media, we're all always got to get into the mind of the Trump voter. How about we get into the mind of the normal person, the normal voter, the person who's capable of functioning in a free democratic society, the the person who who knows what this thing of ours is supposed to be, and it's not, it's not just to make the rich richer. That's not why the founders rebelled against the intergenerational aristocracy and monarchy that ruled. Western civilization for thousands of years. They didn't overthrow that monarchy to create one here. 
especially of uh, uh, an, uh, an intergenerational aristocracy of morons. Greedy morons who can't seem to make a buck unless they can grift and rig it and lie and manipulate and scam the rest of us. Ah, whatever. All right, where was I? <clears throat> okay, okay, okay. Plenty of fascists. Fa oh, yeah, I read this. Pa past and present, from Benito Mussolini to Vladimir Putin, have made mincemeat of vulnerable democracies. Okay. For more than four years, legions of Trump critics have accused him of having fascist tendencies. Yes, yes. And American democracy now appears badly wounded, if not broken, and vulnerable to further manipulation. You better believe it. You better goddamn believe it. It's, it's once you cross those lines, guys... There's no going back. It's not like backseat. What is this? No backs, no backs, no penny tax. That's what we used to say when we were kids. No backsies. Uh, no, no. It's bent. It's like when you have a plastic spoon or whatever and you bend it. Oh, it's also like having an injury. I guess this is a more apt metaphor. When you have an injury, like I only know this because one of the injuries I have that is a recurring injury, I fell in a foxhole when I was in basic training and twisted my ankle really badly. And then I had to do a 30-mile march with 50-pound ruck on my back. So I have this injury that um, is recurring. So whenever I, if I fall or trip a little on the sidewalk or whatever, it doesn't even have to be a big you know, whatever. I, as I, my father used to say, I tripped over a straw and a hen kicked me. Something like that would happen. I, my, my ankle twists again in the same way. And it, same injury it keeps recurring throughout my life. And as I was, it was explained to me by the person who I saw about this injury, the orthopedic person, they said, it's like, a plastic spoon. When you bend plastic, it's never the same. It's always, you can bend it back, but you always have that weakness there. So this is sort of like that in a way where our body politic has been wounded. And it's been, even if we try to put it back, there it's always going to be there that somebody for, for can can give us a kick and that wound will reopen will uh, and and it's we have been transformed by this so i i don't think being in denial about it is going to help for example him pardoning himself and his filthy, disgusting, wasted sperm, waste of human DNA, children. How is this a thing? How is it a effing thing for somebody to pardon themselves? That's not why that... First of all, why do we have this? Why does the president have the power of pardon? I, I, you know, it goes to show you that no matter what, the founders were all 
they were, uh, you know, men of their time, that's for sure. Clearly, they were a bunch of hypocrites, not surprising, who can, cre- who can write all men are created equal while owning other human beings, and meaning all men, all white men. But, give it, but they were also men who lived in a time where Western civilization was run by monarchies and kings. So they gave the president this kingly power. And in fact, some of the founders, they, I mean, there were arguments between in the Constitutional Convention to, um, you know, whether the, just exactly what the powers of the presidencies would entail. And I think, if, if I'm not mistaken, um, they were, I think John Adams wanted the president to be called His Highness. So, <clears throat> His Highness. Pfft, here, Your Highness. So, that's what I want to be called, Your Highness. Can you call me Your Highness? <laughs> I call, actually, I do call Tara Jr. Jr. Your Highness. But that's only between us. Um, what was I saying? So, what's the point of this? Where was I going with that? Okay. Um, yes, the point is, once it's broken, it's going to be hard to get, get it back. And also, here's another thing. When you're breaking, um, a constitutionally limited democratic republic, it also helps when the people have absolutely no clue what that constitutionally limited democratic republic is supposed to look like, what it's supposed to be. They actually think that this thing is, we create, that the founders fought a revolution for why? Why? Anybody want to raise your hand? For freedom. What the, what is freedom? No taxation without representation. What are you talking about? Oh, they don't—they didn't like taxes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. No, that's not true. In fact, when what happened when uh, Shay's Rebellion? That was a bunch of the local state said, "Hey, we're not paying taxes," and George Washington came out of retirement and put that rebellion down. Oh, was that the Whiskey Rebellion? Now I'm getting confused. Okay. But the point is, they don't, they, most of the American people, please, they don't understand what this is. And didn't Reagan stop mandating the teaching of civics in school? You see, public education is a threat to fascism. Oh, oh yeah, they think, oh, uh, government schools, bad. Government, government schools, they're going to take over. Government's going to take over. But it's not about that. It's about having a common story. It's about teaching a common history. What is teaching the American youth that... They have a civic responsibility, not just, I mean, there is no civic responsibility anymore. That's for sure. Is there? 
some people, maybe young people now, I think like when the um, think of uh, AOC deciding to run for office and doing it and winning, knocking on every door here in this neighborhood where I live. They knocked on every single door. That's how they did it. They didn't take a dime of corporate money. That's how she did it. So I think that's kind of the wave of the future. But, <clears throat> yeah, civics is, uh, that's how you win, frankly. In fact, what I think we were talking about this with uh, in the history of, of the Roman Republic, how, the, how Rome ended up ruling, well, you know, really is the foundation of our civilization today as well. I mean, we're still living in, uh, the, in, the, in Julius Caesar's world, in uh, Augustus's world. We're still living under their calendar. We, um, many of our, our government institutions, of course. But one of the, the, you would say, how did they, how did they conquer the most of the known world for nearly a thousand years? It wasn't the army because they were beaten more than they won. In fact, it's pretty shocking how many times they were beaten. It was a civic responsibility that they had because every time they were beaten, how were they able to raise another army to never give up? This, that's the story of how Rome actually became the, uh, the, most, the dominant power <clears throat> at the time in the ancient world is because they were continuously, even though they were beaten, they had such a civic responsibility to each other that they were always able to raise another army, even when they were mercilessly beaten, where they would lose 60,000 men in one day which is more than we lost in the entire Vietnam War. So they, <clears throat> they had, um, this is something that they taught and they were proud of. They would uh, prominently display items that were in their homes, you know, uh, laurels that they would be um, bestowed upon them by the state for doing, for, for, Fulfilling a civic responsibility, which is another reason why <clears throat> this country we're doomed, because we don't have we don't have a civic responsibility to each. We don't even have a human responsibility to each other. We could, we definitely could, if we promoted it. If we talked about e pluribus unum, if we actually had legislation that. Not, it wasn't just talking out of our asses how, oh, uh, Americans are the best, where we really stick together, we really come together in a crisis. That's human beings, people do that. But what kind of government do we want? Do we have a government that reflects that community spirit? We absolutely do not. Obviously, we have a government that reflects the greed of a few and the indifference. If we had a government that had a, had, they were ashamed 
to leave people on the bread lines, they wouldn't have gone home. Right? Mitch McConnell, they went on vacation, leaving people on the bread lines. This is not what you do when you have a community spirit, when you give a shit about your fellow Americans. They're not even ashamed. Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, they're not even ashamed. They will, they will feel no political repercussions from leaving people on the bread lines. They got voted back in. You understand? That's how divided this country is. If we had a media, an actual media that taught the America, that, that could reach them, maybe they would learn these, these dum-dums. No, I'm sorry. Do you, do you really think that, um, <clears throat> you know, these QAnon idiots, these dum-dums who are harassing, I don't know if you saw the video of the um, dum-dums harassing, uh, what's her name, the head of the G, whatever, the head of the RNC, they're saying, oh, what are you going to do about Trump's vote being stolen? And where are they getting this shit from? They're not, they're not doing their own research. They're getting it from the propaganda channels of the right wing. That's it. That's why they're not taught. Those same propaganda channels can give them a message of hope. Instead of a message of what? Division. If we had a country that worked for all, that didn't work just for the 1%, they would listen to, I mean, the, let's say the media. We had a functioning media. Sure, you'd have idiots. And they, but they would be the outliers. They wouldn't be Fox News blaring into the homes of these morons, telling them that they've been robbed. Democracy, when they lose elections, when they get to, when they receive fewer votes and don't get to squat in the White House, they, it's a fix. It's not a fix when they receive fewer votes and they get to squat in the White House, you see? But that that's why it's, the most important thing that we can do on top of, you know, everything else, like calling our representatives, being involved, showing up at our local Democratic Party meetings and whatnot, being involved in general, and educating our, our friends and family, steering them in the right direction. But the most important thing is to own the message, is to get the message out that what is e pluribus unum? That's our national motto. If you're a patriot, then you don't leave anybody behind. And that includes we don't leave people on the bread lines, especially in a pandemic. That's why we wear a mask. Because we're in this together, you know, e pluribus unum and all. No, but they're hearing this other shit. And that's, that is why 
the Mercer family and the Koch brothers and the Walton family. They fund their right-wing uh, platforms because they need people nice and stupid. And that's how they win. And we that's how we lose and they win and they get to destroy democracy while all the while waving the red, white, and goddamn blue. Right? Okay. <clears throat> As you can hear, my voice is going. <sighs> all right, here we go. That's why I thank you all for your super chats and for your patronage, and soon we'll be on Rockfin, and we'll be, I don't know, and we'll be going places. I don't know where. I'm maybe, who knows? Who cares where we going? Where am I going? I'm, gl I'm just glad I can stand up instead of having to sit for 12 hours. And where's my cats? You know what happens, I got to tell you. If you're on Discord, you can, in, in the chat, well, in the description of the show, there's the Discord link. If you're not on Discord, become a member or whatever that you do, join us, and you get to see pictures of Tara Jr. Jr., Francis Jr. Jr., Ray, and everybody else's pets. I really enjoy that. And other commentary, there's places you can talk about, whatever. Whatever you want to talk about. But it's a nice place to get together and we can connect between shows. Okay, whatever. What's the point? I was going to tell you that in the middle of the night, see, Ray is sleeping right now. He's over there sleeping. But as soon as I get off the air and I try to go to bed later, that's when the fun, it's like fun time. That's when he really comes alive. <laughs> hey, he's a kitten. Got to live your life, right? All right, <clears throat> here we go. Well, um, I'm still reading this article. This is what happens. I'm very sorry. I can't help it. It's Tara Buster. What can you do? This is the article from foreignpolicy.com by Michael Hirsch, Why Fascists Fail, which I thought was pretty interesting. Okay. Here we go. It, uh, and he's talking about American democracy now appears badly wounded if not broken and vulnerable to further manipulation. You can take that to the bank. Especially, wait, hold on, this damn, I think you can hear it. The microphone is like wobbling. Okay. <sighs> breathe, breathe. Okay, it now appears badly wounded, if not broken and vulnerable to further manipulation, especially since Trump has turned the Republican Party, into little more than a cheerleader for his personal aggrandizement. Absolutely. And if they had any interest in democracy, hello, really? Would they make a con man, not just their standard bearer, their hero, their leader? Would they, if they were had an interest in democracy, they would have a goddamn party platform, which they didn't have this year. That's not a coincidence. It's, that's not a, a, a line, a norm, another norm that's broken. No. That is um, the blaring, glaring sign that they're irredeemable. 
And what do you do with when you have a cancer in your body? Just like you have a cancer in your body politic, you cut it out. And then you do whatever you can to heal. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, uh, what, uh, I'm saying legally and peacefully. You cut it out. You leave them behind. You stop coddling them. Because we're doing more. Well, not us. The Democratic Party is doing more to enable the sickness than they are to heal it. Okay, keep going. Uh, Only this week, in a move that echoed past fascist practices, Trump threatened to send in additional federal forces to American cities such as New York and Chicago that he said were run by the radical left even without the cooperation of their elected officials. There you go. Fascism, as the Yale University scholar Jason Stanley has written, is not a new threat, but rather a permanent temptation. And Trump's words and actions indicate that he's sorely tempted to emulate autocrats he admires around the world. One never knows for sure when Trump is joking. He's never joking. What is this shit? No, he's... Never joking. Like Michael Cohen said, he's not joking. Just like the guy oh, who uh, threatened, who said that, wait, who did he say? Drawn and quartered. One of the guys should be, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, drawn and quartered. Taken out at dawn and shot. The guy who, well, it, was a, it was a Republican who said that Trump is uh, is a lying fascist piece of shit, right? I think that's what he said. And don't they type so tough, or talk, they talk so tough, drawn in quarter. Oh, Chris Krebs. Trump lawyer says Chris Krebs should be taken out and shot. Trump lawyer Joe DeGeneva says election security ch- chief fired by president, so-called president, should be taken out at dawn and shot. Aren't they so tough, these fascists? Well, in another time, in another place. It doesn't have to be another time in another place. And right, right here, in this time, in this place. I've said this for years, guys. I hate to remind you all, but I have said this for years in all that right-wingers, all these Republicans, I was saying this during Bush, all that they need is, is opportunity and environment. And they are the Nazis, full force. Absolutely. That's all they're missing. We've seen it. They commit war crimes. They commit crimes against humanity. They send us to war based on lies. They are the goddamn Nazis. Thank you, Garfield, for your super chat. Okay. (sighs) Calm down. Breathe. Breathe, Devlin. Breathe. Okay. Where is he? Oh, yes. And Trump's words and actions indicate that he's sorely tempted to emulate autocrats he admires. One never knows for sure when Trump is joking, but he insists 
he is whenever he's criticized for saying something controversial. But in 28, oh yeah, like when he said, um, what, what, what did he say? Wait, 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 wait. When Trump said that, wouldn't it be interesting if uh, we put the light inside the body, like almost the cleaning or something, with the disinfectant? Well, he was joked. Then when he got criticized, I was being sarcastic. No, you weren't. We all saw you. But that's the sign of a sociopath. It's not another sign. I recommend that book, Sociopath Next Door, Martha Stout. That is a sign that she talks about right in the book, one of the telltale signs. A sociopath will lie right to your face. You, you'll know that they're lying. You could say, did you steal the last cookie? They could have their hand on the cookie they get, the cookie could be hanging out of their mouth, and you'll say, you're eating the last cookie. And they'll say, no, I'm not, or whatever, whatever the lie might be. It, it's obviously a lie, but they think the reason they, they lie so prolifically is because they think of themselves in, in such a superior manner. They are so superior than the mere mortals that we will buy any bullshit they're selling. That's, that's a sociopath. So Trump is a sociopath. And that's why he's a, he's a sick bastard and whatever. I, I hope he's suffering. Of course he is. Look at his son. Look at Don, Tr Donald Trump Jr. That is a suffering motherfucker. But I have no sympathy for him. He's clearly a sick, a sick person. But good, he deserves it. Okay, um, let's see, let's see. Yes, almost a cleaning. In 2018, Trump spoke glowingly of Xi Jinping's brutal consolidation of power in China and his title of President for Life. I think it's great. Trump said, maybe we'll have to give it a shot someday. <laughs> hey, I'm here all week. I'm just joking, right? Yeah, um, we need to, isn't it? Well, that's what Bush said that time, too. Uh, it would be a heck of a lot easier if uh, this were a dictatorship, just as long as I'm the dictator. <laughs> <laughs> These, these right-wingers, man, they are on a roll. They're so funny. <laughs> okay. So let's suppose the worst. Trump, whom his niece, the author Mary Trump, calls the world's most dangerous man, really does attempt to brace, embrace his inner fascist in the coming months. The good news is that history tells us that he will almost certainly fail in the end. Well, also his own history. That's the other thing. He's a failure. He's a loser. He's lost at everything. That's why he's a suffering scumbag. And, well, here's another thing that should concern us all. 
sociopaths, well, like Anne Rand, she's, she was a sociopath too. This is why that whole right wing is a sick, sick death cult. You don't look to a sociopath as your hero. You don't listen, read the musings, the sick, badly written musings of a sociopath and, and hang your whole ideology and life on it. God, they're sick. But, um, wait, hold on. Wait a minute. Okay, hold on. Let me keep going. But, where is it? It really does attempt to embrace his inner fascist in the coming months. Yes, uh, the good news is that history tells us that he will almost certainly fail in the end especially since Trump possesses nothing like the fearsome competence or detailed programs of fascists of the past. Fascism, in its various forms, has no enduring record of success in the long run. Based on the evidence, it's almost always a doomed, doomed to destroy itself in an orgy of ultra-nationalism and megalomania. Isn't it fun? That's why 55 million people died in World War II. You know, <laughs> that's what happens when you allow a filthy, disgusting, racist con man and, uh, in your halls of power. As Adolf Hitler and Mussolini did, other fascists are strongmen who stayed in power longer, like Francisco Franco of Spain and Turkey's... Ato I can't pronounce this. Ato oh, God. Hold on. Atara, whatever, whatever. Atara, A-T-A. Some of these words get stuck in my mouth. A-T-A. Okay. T-U-R-K. Did so by wisely changing course or because they were misunderstood and weren't really fascist at all for the much of their careers, some scholars say. By itself, fascism is difficult to work in practice because it always has a grandiose vision, inconsistent with reality upon whose shores it crashes. That's an interesting way to put it. Reality always catches up to the con, as we can see with the pandemic and Twitter. You can't bullshit your way out of reality. You can only do that so long. Says um, Stanley, the author of How Fascism Works, told Foreign Policy. It may be an effective means to gaining power, but fascists typically destroy themselves before long, especially when a crisis erupts. We're seeing that with COVID-19 in the United States and Brazil. Stanley's 2018 book is a detailed look at the broad concept of fascism, which he defines as ultra-nationalism embodied in one leader and movement. Hello. What do you think we're dealing with? You tell me where the Republicans differ, okay? So, ultranationalism embodied in one leader and movement and, and at the kind of policies that fascism typically practices. These strategies are familiar to anyone who has observed Trump's rise, inventing a mythic past of greatness, promoting anti-intellectualism, playing up national victimhood, the need for law and order. This is Trump's playbook. Appealing to the heartland 
and fomenting division, especially by attacking immigrants and liberal elites. Like Trump, fascists almost always promise to drain the swamp by concocting false charges of corruption, as the U.S. president did against Hillary Clinton and is now doing against Biden. Above all, Stanley says fascist policies, um, politics is about identifying enemies, appealing to an insecure majority group, yes, like America's white population, and destroying truth and replacing it with power. As Mussolini said in a 1922 speech, to create a fascist national myth, it is not necessary for it to be a reality. Such words are like a song to Donald Trump. In his book, Stanley evokes, invokes the German word Gleich. Let me see if I can pronounce this. Let's see. I can read it here. Gleichschaltung. Gleichschalten. Describing the Nazification process by which Hitler slowly destroyed Germany's liberal democratic organizing principles. To help explain what is happening in several other major democracies today, including the United States, India, and Brazil. In all of these three countries, there's a movement towards unifying institutions around loyalty and ethnic identity which is kind of hard to do when you're a nation of immigrants, but they'll, they're giving it a shot, as you can see. Oh, God. As in India, or a loyal or, or loyalty to a single leader, as in the United States, where the most powerful political party is increasingly defined by fealty to Donald Trump, Stanley writes. Now, this is a, a fascist, a fascism scholar and historian talking about everything we've been saying. Trump is a fascist. The Republican Party is a fascist movement. And they're a danger to this country. Not like Nancy Pelosi says, the American people need the Republican Party that has done so much good for this country. Name, name it. Give me one thing. Give me one effing thing they've done. If there's a Republican on the thread or on the chat somewhere waiting to call me a dyke or something, just give me one thing that the Republican Party has done for this country. No, I'll just make it broad. One thing good that they've done. I'll wait. Just put it in the chat. You don't even have to. You can just run. You can just drop it and run like you do because you're cowards, I understand. All right. This threatens... Here we go. Where is it? Oh, fealty to Donald Trump. This threatens the democratic nature of institutions as well as their competence to carry out their institutional missions. Of course. Our democratic culture is on life support. What have I been saying? That may be true, but fascism has a very poor track record as a replacement. Some historians argue that strong men of the past who were sometimes identified with fascism, like Franco, whose harsh, swift brand of nationalistic transformation inspired Hitler, according to the historian Stefan Egrig's 2014 book, 
uh, the Nazi imagination, succeeded in the end only because they outgrew those tendencies. Ataturk, Ataturk, oh my God, what is wrong with my, hold on. I, this thing is uh, shaking too much. I'm, I'm hoping you don't hear it. I need to play this. Ataturk. I have to hear this. Ataturk. Ataturk. How come I can't say that? Ataturk. Okay. Sorry, guys. You know me. I have problems with words sometimes. They get stuck in my... It's weird. I guess I have a problem. Maybe that's what Joe Biden feels. Can you hear this, like, shaking of the microphone? Let me know if you can hear that. Because I'll have to adjust, not now, but another, before the show next time. I hear a shaking, so you can let me know if you can hear that on the chat. Like a, like a shaking. It's not quite, something is not secure. All right, I'm, I'm just wondering if it's coming through over the mic. All right. Ataturk, who also pursued long-term plans for national transformation that brought in best practices from Western nations. He hired the famed U.S. educator John Dewey, for example, and even programmed the return, programmed in the return of democracy. Those leaders, in other words, had larger, detailed programs of the kind that elude Trump. His instincts may be fascist, but he has shown little or no greater purpose other than manipulating the truth for his own political benefit and rousing his poorly educated white, white base. His stupid, careless talk is not just really, it's not really fascist, but conceivably sub-fascist, said Stanley Payne, a well-known historian in European fascism. Both Hitler and Mussolini spoke more towards the theoretical, coherent goals. Even Spain's Franco, the military strongman who toyed with fascism as Hitler and Mussolini rose to dominance in Europe, abandoned it in the end for a more pluralistic system. The Franco regime in its full form from 45 to 75 was not fascist, says Payne. A distinction should be made between the Catholic, corporatist, quasi-monarchist system of mature Francoism, as he calls it, and the semi-fascist phase of 37 to 45. Francoism lasted so long that it was more than one thing, though the non-fascist form predominated. That is interesting. In an interview, E. Grigg, a historian at the University of whatever, Haifa, said Trump is plainly dis displaying fascist and deploying, excuse me, deploying fascist tactics of the past. But he added, the United States is not the Weimar Germany. True. We have always, we always need to be worried, he said. He is using the classic methods, destroying checks and balances, influencing the legal system, on one side, polarizing society and playing with the notion of truth, making truth itself inoperable. Ugh, isn't that painful? 
making it, it making truth inoperable. Ugh, it, it hurts to say it. These things are really worrisome, but rather than being fascist himself, I think Trump is more like one of the authoritarian kinds of conservative figures like in late Weimar Germany who allied with the Nazis to change the system. There you go. That's why when you, when you read history and you learn about different periods of, of history and especially the takeover of a country from democracy to fascism, what happens? in that system. This is why the Republicans, stop, stop pining for them. They're not coming on board. They're already in the fascist game. When you look through the history of, just, just look at uh, the takeover of the, of the German Republic by the Nazis. It, the the right-wingers of their day, the conservatives of Weimar Germany, they collaborated with the Nazis. This is what happens. And, every, and when the Nazis took over Norway, they always have conservative collaborators to screw their own countrymen and women. It happened in every country that the Nazis took over. France. The right-wingers were the collaborators. And the left-wingers, the progressives, the normal people were the resistance. Absolutely. Because what ultimately, the conservatives, they look at the fascists, the Nazis, as a means to an end. Oh, look, I, this is the kind of country I've wanted all along. We're everybody in their place, you see. That's the ultimate goal, isn't it? But conversely, for all of the right-wing whining, you know how they always say that uh, we're uh, communists? No, I'm a democratic socialist, and I'm a card-carrying democratic socialist. I, I should have brought my card in today to show you. But, <clears throat> you know, I believe in, which you do too. Even the Republicans love socialism. I believe in the general welfare. Nobody's asking for the government to take over the means of production, start making, I don't know, your appliances. But we do think that there are the, the proper place for government, like in health care and education. That doesn't mean you can't have your own private bullshit. Of course. But there should be a standard where no a, a floor that nobody falls through. You should have to work really hard to um, go bankrupt for getting sick in a functioning society. All right. <clears throat> Whatever Trump's true nature or aims, such alliances are necessary for fascists to succeed. Like Putin, who today is deploying a form of fascism by controlling corporate Russia. Of course. Hitler and Mussolini gained power by manipulating conservative and corporate elites who believed, with tragic consequences, that they could control the emerging dictators. 
The backing of such elites is crucial for fascists to last more than a few years in power because the corporate oligarchy craves a certain kind of stability. Well, they love fascism, the corporate oligarchy, because you're nice and desperate then. There's no unions in fascism. There's no, that's what they like. There's no everybody, you know, for themselves. Every, it's everybody, you know, well, it's also every man and woman for themselves, but it's also, you know, for the, uh, for the elites. It's such a disgusting anti-human system. This, together with the support of social conservatives who are made to fear non-existent threats, you know, like a caravan coming up, can and does leave fascism in power in the face of conflicts with reality. Such a support base does not exist to nearly the same degree for Trump. <laughs> well, this was written a couple of years ago. While, well, not a couple of years ago, uh, a couple of months ago. While he has tried hard, especially during the coronavirus pandemic, to enlist and win over corporate America, he has created just as many enemies. Mm, I might have to disagree with that a little bit. They don't like his buffoonery. Yes, that's for sure. They don't like his instability, but they certainly like the power he gives them, the, the, the tax breaks breaks. It's not even, it's like tax raped. And from Wall Street to Silicon Valley, America's business leaders are far more independent than in, say, Russia. Beyond that, American democracy is 244 years old. So what? The Roman Republic was 500 years old. And they all hated kings. And they were taught there would be no king in Rome, but the, look at what happened there. Unreal. 244 years is a blip. But he says, American democracy is 244 year, years old and not nearly as vulnerable as the young, fragile democratic system that existed in the Weimar Republic and the Italian Republic of the early 20th century. America's constitutional checks and balances, though seemingly strained to the breaking point, as we saw during Trump's impeachment and acquittal, are far more in evidence than in, uh, than in the case of the other fascist takeovers. And here's another thing I was thinking today, because they were saying that so far, Trump, as far as his fake ass, um, his, his, uh, the coup, his, uh, his coup of stupidity that he's inflicting on the country. Um, all of the lawsuits, the fake-ass lawsuits he's filed, he's lost, um, I think 40 have been filed, and he lost another one today. And he's won one lawsuit so far. I don't know which, which lawsuit that is. I have to look that up. But... So I was thinking today, okay, and they were saying, and it was a Trump-appointed judge that threw out this lawsuit as if that gives it more validity because they have so corrupted this country. You see the, the propagandists who 
with the help of Bill Clinton deregulating the media, have helped create a country that has um, that is completely divided with what what is truth. We go to different corners to get. Well, we have the truth, and then they have the lies on the right wing, and they keep it going. So the truth, what is truth? It's upside down. So that's, I mean, that is what a fascist does. They devalue truth. And I was hearing all the corporate media mouthpieces um, applaud the judiciary for stopping Trump's, um, his various coups, but... That's this time. You understand? This isn't the. It's not. This will not be the last time that the Republicans are gonna push and push and push until the whole damn house falls over. So they, we lucked out. Why do you think Twitter is stuffing the courts? With flunkies. Now, you ultimately, you don't, you don't control anybody. People can surprise you. So, which is why Twitler is adamant to get his ass, the, his fake ass lawsuit to the Supreme Court, because he's he knows he he figures, hey, I stuffed this court with all these scumbags like Amy Co- COVID Barrett and frat boy Cav, the, the uh, handsy rapist, the drunken lichen beer rapist. And who was the other one? Uh, oh, Gorsuch. The, they all have no honor, but him especially. No honor. All illegitimate. So he's hoping that they'll do what he wants. You know, hey, I put you in these positions. But that's why Mitch McConnell is stuffing the courts. There would be, there's no other reason. That's why. Yeah, one of the things that gets on my nerves, besides everything else, is that they, they all the corporate media mouthpieces make note of how Mitch McConnell is stuffing the courts, but they don't, they don't say to one aim. What to what what purpose? What end would it, would they be stuffing the courts? It's because why? Because when you go, they want to. I, I mean, what what what's the end game here? It's because they want to overturn democracy, like every other fascist takeover. This is part of the plan. You have to corrupt. The pillars of democracy. They've already corrupted the media. They've corrupted the legislature. Now they need the judiciary. They've corrupted the executive. That's what you got. The you know your four estates. What what's left? They've corrupted the church, right? The evangelicals. What 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 what's going to happen another time? The next time, how many fascists, you know, are are in our judiciary in lifetime appointments? So what if next time the next fascist takes his frivolous bullshit 
anti-democratic lawsuit to the fake-ass court, and they nullify it. That's exactly what happened in Nazi Germany. It didn't happen overnight. Didn't take, it took them years to seize all power. But they have been, Republicans have been outwardly, openly talking about becoming a permanent majority for how many years now? Well, isn't it, um, who said that, Maya Angelou, when people tell you or show you who they are, believe them? They've been talking about being a permanent majority? What the hell is that? There is nothing more anti-democratic than that. A permanent majority. They're not talking about, they never, they never said we want to be a permanent cooperating party. A party that, what? A permanent bipartisan party? Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Where is everybody? <sighs> you here? Don't sigh, Tara Devlin. Yep. Well, I, um, Darth on the chat. The mistake after World War I was not completely destroying Germany. They were left wounded, but not fully defeated. Yes, like the Confederacy. Exactly. That's the problem with this country. We've never finished Reconstruction. We have never truly crushed the freaking, the racists. The racists will in our diseasing our body politic. <clears throat> All right, let's finish this article <clears throat> and go on. <clears throat> I mean, it's always, I said, I was going to say go on to other things, but I was like, what other thing is there to go on? This is what we're doing. We're talking about this. It really is. All right. Um, there's only a couple more paragraphs, so let's finish it up. All right, all right, all right. So he says, American democracy is 244 years old and not as nearly as vulnerable as the young and fragile democratic systems of Weimar and the Italian Republic. America's constitutional checks and balances, though seemingly strained to the breaking point, as we saw during Trump's impeachment, impeachment and acquittal, are far more in evidence than in the case of fascist takeovers. Even the majority conservative Supreme Court, you, has curtailed some of Trump's ambitions. And the fact that Joe Biden... And the rest of the Dems just go along with that filthy, fascist, illegitimate Supreme Court is another, is another problem. They should be calling Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Coney Barrett, COVID Barrett, illegitimate. Their names, from now on, everybody who encounters them should think that their first name is illegitimate. You understand? So when you say their names, you say illegitimate Kavanaugh, illegitimate Gorsuch, illegitimate Coney Barrett, like it is their first name. 
we say it so often that people are going to forget their first names and just go with illegitimate. That's what you have to do. Because they are. Where, where, where are we wrong? Show us. If you're a right winger lurking around, sh- prove me wrong, please. I'm open to change and suggestion. I'm open. I want to know. That's the thing. The difference between normal people and Republicans, fascists, is that when normal people get new ideas or get, get new information, we adjust our ideology. We adjust. You know? Okay. If we if it were, if the truth were that funneling all the money and power to the top and concentrating all the wealth at the top, if that truly did trickle down and cause great um, the great prosperity for all, I would be all for it. I would say, okay, great, let's do more of that. But that doesn't work. That's why, you know, the right-wingers, they keep doing more of that while telling you, well, you know what, you're on the breadline and you're living check to check and you're begging on GoFundMe for health care. You know why? Because some uh, immigrant wants welfare. They're getting welfare. Oh, aren't you so mad at those immigrants, you know, brown people, when, sure, you should be mad, but put your anger where it belongs. Who's earned it? You know, the party of personal responsibility? Take some responsibility. Give your anger to those, those who are responsible. I'm so sick of these right-wingers. They're so easily played. But, oh well. All right, where was I? Where is I? Where is I? Um, okay, okay, okay. Even the majority conservative Supreme Court has curtailed some of Trump's ambitions, ruling most recently that he isn't above the law in requiring him to release his financial records to prosecutors and the military establishment, which in previous fascist history bent much more willingly to the designs of autocrats in power, has made a stand for constitutional restraints as well. Following the killing of George Floyd in May, Trump's own defense secretary and joint chiefs of staff chairman very publicly distanced themselves from him and sought to enlist them in his campaign for law and order in the face of civil unrest. Still, Erig cautions against complacency. Even though it is nearly two and a half centuries old, which is nothing. I don't know why he's saying this as if, well, we're two and a half centuries old. Yeah, okay, that's very young as far as democracy is concerned. And it's also... I don't even, we're not that, we are an immature nation. We haven't matured enough to even look ourselves in the eyes and, 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 and really um, reconcile our, our true history. 
our true racist-ass history. We, whenever we try to do that, because that's absolutely necessary if we want to have a functioning democracy that works for all, well, of course, we get the right-wingers chanting USA, USA, USA and putting their fingers in their ears. They don't want us to do that searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves, of our country, because they want, they, I know why. I mean, the, the right-wingers at the top would never want to do that because that blows the game out of the water. How could they divide and conquer us then if we don't let them, if we're not dumb? I mean, we're not dumb, but the right-wingers fall for it every time. It's like, what's that cartoon? Where constantly, well, there's many cartoons, I guess, where they're f always falling for the same gag. <clears throat> All right. Uh, yes. Cautions against complacency, even though it is nearly two and a half centuries old, American democracy has not yet been fully tested. Wait. I'm going to take off my sh shoes. Okay, that's better. Has not yet been fully tested against freshly maligned forces like cyber attacks. The historians argue in a forthcoming book. This is, a, well, that's another thing. And all of the misinformation and the Russian bots everywhere on social media. Oh my God, it's so pathetic watching these right-wingers fall for the Russian disinformation campaigns. It's, they're too, oh, they're too stupid to not fall for it, I guess. <clears throat> okay. This is especially true since the end of the Cold War, which he compares to the unstable interwar period of the 20th century that led to fascism. With the end of the Cold War, certain restraints uh, to the left and right of the spectrum, as well as the more general consensus on politics and society, disappeared. If you take away times of war, World War I, World War II, and the Cold War, as well as those in which major parts of society were excluded or underrepresented, women, minorities, and workers in some systems, then democracy did not have too much time to play out its battles with heavy opposing forces to test itself and to come up with a range of successful strategies of coping with fundamental opposition. Paine said, fascists can and do last in power if they don't go overboard. The problem for them is that they usually do. Historical fascism worked very well so long as its leaders stayed out of big wars, he said. From 1922 to 1940, Mussolini could hardly be described as other than successful. From 33 to 39, Hitler had the greatest six years of any leader in German history. Big wars did them in as they did so many other leaders. Trump has already started a global trade war that's going nowhere and threatened real war against Iran and North Korea. Most scholars won't argue that, by its nature, fascism is born of megalomania, which in turn chooses war and ultimately self-destructs. So that's what he ends up 
that, that's the last sentence, which is another concern, and I'm not alone in this concern, that Twitler is trying to start a war with Iran before he leaves. He wants to leave Joe Biden and us like, like fascists do, like the Republicans do. They want to cause as much pain to the American people as they can. So we, and then keep the propaganda going, and where many of our fellow Americans are stupid enough to vote for the, their own demise to hire the Republicans again. So yeah, I want more of that. I want more of the party that crashed the economy three times in a hundred years. You know, the one that presides over the endless wars of corporate aggression based on lies. You know, those guys, the ones who run clandestine, illegal, extra, what is it, uh, like the Iran-Contra, and they, they run wars out of congressional, um, against congressional approval. I want those fascists. Oh my God, how does anybody, well, it's, it's, I'll answer my own question. They're racist. Yes, yes, they are. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Traverse, the Christian evangelical movement has nothing to do with Jesus. Absolutely, that's the truth. It is a political prosperity grift. I know, absolutely. And it's another reason, another example of how how full of shit they are. And I, I always say on the show, I wish, I wish the right-wingers were into Jesus. I really do. I wish they were, because then we wouldn't be having this conversation. We wouldn't, they wouldn't be so freaking greedy and simple and stupid and divisive. All right. Hold on a second. I don't mean to breathe and clear my throat in your ear. Hello, Ray. Hello. Did you hear that? Ray is a very talkative little cat. He's very cute. He talks. He's like, that's what he sounds like. Ray, come here, boo-boo. ain't moving. Nobody listens to me. All right, hold on. Holy shit. I'm thinking of, there's so many oracles. I'm looking at the time, and there's many things going through my head. I want to thank you all for your super chats tonight. Let me just thank you again. Haiku, Lori, JD, Jim, Errol, and Garfield, thank you so much for your super chats. You keep the show going. Who knows what will happen tomorrow? Hopefully. I don't know. I try to do as many shows as I can during the week, as you know. Things are not always working in my favor. There's only so many hours in the day. And I'm thinking about when we get on, finally get the Rockfin thing going, 
I'm gonna have to do a um a rock fin only show. And I'm thinking maybe um Fridays, Friday night, we might do a rock fin only show. What do you think? Hmm. Only because I was thinking of doing Sunday, and then I, I, I said, you know what? I need a day off too. I'm exhausted. Where's Ray? Ray, Ray. Where'd you go, Ray? Ray. I heard him. I heard him. All right, guys. What do you think? Friday nights, maybe? All right, a couple of shows here. Wait, I, I mean, I'm looking at... Hold on, guys. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, there were other, so many other things. You know what happened? This is what sucks when you can't do a show every night. Everything. There's, it, there's so much going on. I, I want to... Read this. This is what sucks. These right wingers now brainstorming and forecasting meetings oh, all on, on video. Fucking ad started playing. Okay, For, you know my uh, one of the occupational hazards of this job is right wingers like to sign me up for all kinds of mailing lists <laughs> conservative well they're not conservative fascists what's conservative if they were conservative i would be okay with it they're not conserving anything so they signed me up for this a newsletter called the conservative brief so i get it i i i do look at it i, I didn't unsubscribe because it's always good to get a glimpse of what's going on in their tiny pea brains. And here's one of the articles that I, I received in this mailing list. Group bankrolled by George Soros and Michael Bloomberg pours big money into Georgia runoff elections. So we already know this is their grift. We heard it from, uh, from Giuliani, the disgraceful, I don't know what he is, creature of the night. Um, talking about Chavez, Hugo Chavez, who's dead for like six years now, and George Soros, all, it's all these buzzwords. Soros, pedophile ring, Clinton. What else? Socialism, that's another one. Oh, don't worry. Right-wingers love socialism. They do. They love it just fine. In fact, they can't live without it. It's just they don't like brown people. They don't like sharing with brown people. That's the real problem. But so here's this article. Group bankrolled by... George Soros and Bloomberg pours big money into Georgia runoff elections by Martin Walsh. Supporters of the MAGA revolution. The fuck is the MAGA? Let me, uh, let me show you what I'm looking at. 
Here's the article. Supporters, look at the picture of George Soros. To what aim? This is what I keep asking. Nobody answers the question, though. What's the end game? Okay, George Soros? First of all, what are you going to do when he dies? I guess it doesn't matter because they're still talking about Hugo Chavez. He's dead. So we'll cross that bridge. Everybody only has one day at a time. Who knows who's got tomorrow? Nothing is guaranteed, I understand. But what to what end? What's the end game with Soros? What's his big plan here? He wants to what, take over the world? Because he's a Jew, is that it? He wants to what? Freedom? He wants to take your freedom away by giving you health care? Or he wants to raise his own taxes? I don't understand. They never, they never explain the end game. You think they would, at least they, they know it all. They have their fingers on the pulse of all the nefarious underpinnings of society and, and human history, all, what, all what's really going on. Oh, no, no, you're not voting. Oh, you're voting in a democratic election. <laughs> no, you're, you're part of, you're a, a useful idiot in the whole deep state takeover against the tax-cheating, draft-dodging con man who is saving the country from... What? We're saving it from a deep state that wants to what? Make sure everybody gets their social security checks on time? What deep state? Because all I know is that Twitler right now is changing the civil service rules. So he's inserting his unqualified flunkies into the civil service. But thereby creating a deep state of Trump and Z's. So what's the deep state? The deep state is anybody who who follows the rule of law, who follows the the pocket constitutions that they like to wave around. It's anybody who actually follows the constitution. They don't just wave it around. So when Twitler gets on the phone. And as by law, you know, there are other people listening because it's not just him, except when he's talking to Putin, he gets to have secret love letters and secret rendezvous where the transcripts are confiscated and we don't get to hear those conversations because, you know, a guy's got to have his privacy when he's talking to his lady love. I I don't know. So, um... When he's so when he's talking to, let's say the president of Ukraine, a fledgling democracy, trying to um, to over try, trying to uh, to actually have a democracy that isn't a, just a, a corrupt sham government. That was the thing with uh, with Ukraine. They, the president of Ukraine ran on um, the platform of of reforming government in in Ukraine because there were bribery and corruption was endemic in the Ukrainian system. 
So isn't it sad that we we were supposed to give Ukraine, the, you know, the 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 Congress designated funds for Ukraine to so it could protect itself, the fledgling democracy, from Twitler's boyfriend, Vladimir Putin. Well, it's not his boyfriend, his master. And Twitler was holding that money back from this country that's trying to get away from this corruption. So here comes the United States saying, hey, hey, wait a minute. Um... Forget this up and up and up kind of conversation. We want you uh, to do something for us. You know, this is a crime family here. One hand washes the other. You want the tax dollars that Congress allocated so you can protect your fledgling democracy from Putin, from uh, from from Twitler's wannabe. I don't know. I mean, really, he. It, how, when was that? He tweeted out, it was before he was the so-called president, he actually tweeted out, can Putin be my best friend? He's pathetic. A desperate little bitch, right? So he, they, they used, he used taxpayer money to tell, to strong-arm the Ukrainian president into announcing the investigation on a political rival. Anyway, the point is, <clears throat> well, how, do, how do I get off on that subject? But who knows? What? I, I, I'm still trying to figure it out. What is the point? What is George Soros's point? Now, I know what Twitler's point is. Let me tell you, and if you're a dum-dum, uh, uh, you know, a trump let me explain. Wait, hold on. I'm trying to make this camera focus. Okay, that's bad. Because they don't seem to be able to figure it out. Twitler, he's like my cats. They're not that hard to understand, really. It's like food goes in here. You know, that's it. Twitler is the same way. He's a whiny little bitch sociopath who's a greedy little grifter. It's all related. He's not that hard to unpack. You want, his end game is he needs, there's never enough to fill that empty black hole where, where a soul should be. So he will fill, he will shove anything in there, including earth, you, your mommy, your poppy, your baby, your your puppies. It's, it doesn't matter. He's the rapacious black hole of need. So that's his end game. His end game is what can you do for him? What's in it for him? He's not in it for the ideology or truth, justice in the American way. He's in it for... Uh, a name, his his ugly, tacky name on another building is preferably in Moscow so Putin could look at it. You know, because then, then Putin will be my best friend. But what's George Soros' endgame? I haven't figured it out. I, I know the right-wingers are 
you're so you must know. I mean, you're so filled with all this bullshit about George Soros. So what is the what's the end game with him? What's he trying to do? Oh, I know. It's this it's the eternal Jew. That's it, right? Taking over the world for what? What how? You don't see the real danger right in front of your stupid faces. You 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 easily fall for the same old tricks. From the con men, the same old greedy grifters. Now what has a freaking Trump ever done for this earth give me something he's not done a goddamn thing everything that that con man has done he doesn't he never added anything to earth he never innovated anything all he's done is add ugliness pain division stupidity tackiness bad spelling Ugly, orange facades, stupid, gilded, ugly shit. Trophy wives everywhere. Stupid, ugly, broken children. Just as ugly and broken as he is. So, I don't get it. Anyway, all right, whatever. I keep asking. I'm asking because maybe one of them will. You know, you could call me a dyke. I don't care. But answer me this. Right. Christopher Young on Facebook says, Tara, you know all they're going to say is that Lincoln was a Republican and that he freed the slaves. That is true. They do that, don't they? Even though the Republican Party of the 1860s was a progressive party. They can't, that's too, poo -poo, that is too complex for them, you see. It really is. They don't seem to get that. Back in that day, back in the day, the it was the Democrats that were the racist, entrenched power structure holding on to their racist-ass bullshit ideals, and the Republicans were the progressive antidote to the entrenched democratic power structure. So that's too much for them to handle. They they would eat a shit sandwich if somebody labeled it chocolate, I suppose. I don't know. Or, you know, eat lick a ch shit ice cream cone. You see, it doesn't matter what it's what it is, it just matters what you call it, apparently. It doesn't matter cuz I get that all the time. That is what they'll I'll hear from them. They'll send me an email or something. Or we'll hear it on the RDT Daily Facebook page. They'll, well, Lincoln. And in fact, one time, I was, my, my former brother-in-law, who was a Republican, I'm sure he still is because he's an asshole. He, he's, um, he cheated on my sister. He was, he was having a, he had like a double life, this fucking asshole. But, I, you know, I mean, whatever. He's a Republican. What can you do? That's what he wants. He you know, vows, schmows, family, schmamly. They're all full of shit. So, but I do remember once <clears throat> I always had arguments with him. 
I would always get into it with him because he's a right winger. And he would read, um, what was it, Breitbart or uh, Drudge Report? I remember. That was his favorite. So my only, well, the one bad, not many, well, there were many bad things, but one bad thing is that he, he influenced my sister. She doesn't know what the fuck she is because she's not that educated. I hate to say it. She's not a stupid person by any stretch of the imagination, not at all. She's just not informed about current events, politics, civics, history. No, she doesn't have an interest in that. So she's allowed herself to be influenced by that idiot. He, well, he only he had some he gave me some very nice nephews and nieces who um, don't like him. Anyway, it's a long story. He's an asshole. He was cheating on her. He was basically living a double life. And my sister found out. Uh, But the weird thing is is she found out by accident. And uh, obviously he he was doing, he was carrying this double life on for years. Not like a 10-year thing. He didn't have other children, but... He was, he's just a snake, an untrustworthy person. <laughs> so my sister said, that's why, they, I mean, that's why they're getting divorced, because how could you ever trust somebody you know, who looked you in the eye for two years and l- was lying to you and your whole family? Anyway, this is a long story. But the point is, I remember <laughs> I was arguing with him. That's how it all came up. And uh, I said, what have the Republicans, at the time I was calling them Republicans, what have they done? What have they ever done for this country? I asked sincerely. Like I'm asking, I still am asking this question. And he and that's what he said. They freed the slaves. Lincoln freed the slaves. And I said, oh, you got to go back to 1865 when the Republicans were the progressive party. But they're so effing typical and annoying. All right. The supporters, let's read this article from the conservative brief group bankrolled by George Soros and Michael Bloomberg, a couple of Jews, pour money into Georgia runoff elections because it's fixed. Oh, I hope you think so. Stay home. Stay the F home. There's no point, right-wingers? If it's already fixed, the fix is in. It's no reason for you to go out in the, I don't know, is it cold in Georgia yet? Don't go out. It's too cold out there. Stay home and gripe. Stay home on Breitbart. Get together with your friends without masks and complain. Have a MAGA rally at home with no masks, except when you start choking for for gasping for air. Stay home. Don't bother our frontline workers, our heroes, you know, the ones who have been trying to tell you idiots to wear a mask, but don't bother them. Stay home and die. And just have the dignity, the take the responsibility to die at home. 
without being a drain on the system, right? You're always so whiny about everybody else draining the system. You can't even participate in the system because that's the thing about Republicans, the right-wingers. They want all the benefits of civilization, but they don't want any of the responsibilities that we have to each other. Prove me wrong. Seriously, prove me wrong. All right. <clears throat> Supporters of the MAGA revolution contributed this to, to this article. Visit MAGA revolution. Oh, no. Let's visit it. Visit MAGA revolution on Facebook. Oh, my God. This is appalling. The MAGA revolution. I can't. These recorded calls are very troubling. Project Veritas reveals clips of CNN executives saying Fox has white supremacy hour and naked racism. Yeah. So what? Everybody knows that. That's the truth has such a liberal bias. Georgia Secretary of State opens 250 investigations into credible claims of illegal voting. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's from conservative brief, too. Except Georgia already certified their election. All right, whatever. The liberal billionaires are at it again. Their massive wealth is being used to help swing elections for Democrats. Oh, they have no problem with... Koch brothers, with the Heritage Foundation, with the Mercer family funding Breitbart. I mean, these people, please, your, your outrage would be effective if you weren't such massive hypocrites. And dupes, really. Dupes. Their massive wealth, a group funded by liberal billionaires, George Soros, Michael, and Michael Bloomberg, who also happen to be Jews, I, I editorialize that, has funneled $300,000 into the crucial Georgia runoff elections. Isn't that funny how it's 300000 is almost as many as every dollar for all the, the people who Twitler caused to be prematurely dead in the last four months. But anyway, into the crucial Georgia runoff elections to support Democratic candidates Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff, according to a report from the Washington Free Beacon. Yeah, another right-wing cesspool rag. A group backed by the left-wing billionaires made a very substantial financial contribution to the Black Pack. Uh-oh. That's got to be bad because it's got black in it. How about we do this? Get all money out of politics, you freaks. That's what normal people want to do. A radical, progressive, political, everything is radical, progressive. What's that? You know what's radical about it? That when we have, when we finally get universal health care like the rest of the effing earth, which, by the way, that's not radical. Universal health care, joining the rest of Earth in having health care as a right of citizenship is not radical. But, but you know what? Radical, you know how radical it is? That even you, even right-wingers will benefit. 
That's how radical we are, progressives, normal people. We're so radical that we don't, we'll, we'll, we will even, you, you, okay, how will I put this? You will benefit, you will also benefit from the society that liberals created for you, just like we created the United States, you know, that radical progressive initiative that said, we don't need a king and an aristocracy that overthrew the king, that radical progressive idea. And then that radical, remember the radical progressive idea called the eight-hour workday. Even you benefit from that. And then we had the radical progressive idea, like, I don't know, um, uh-oh, wait, hey, hey, stop that. They don't like this noise. Did you hear that? Fighting amongst the cats. The radical progressive idea, like, I don't know, social security, socialist security, you know, all of these radical progressive initiatives, starting from the American Revolution. Anyway, a radical progressive political committee that pushes African-Americans to the polls for Democrats, pushes them. You mean it helps people go vote? What is your freaking deal, dilio? Oh, I, I know, I know. You don't like democracy. I know. Because when Americans vote, cons lose. The report states that billionaire Michael Bloomberg provided $6 million to the political group. Who cares? This is such... Is this supposed to be scary? I guess because they're Jews and there's blacks involved voting. Oh, my God. That is, that is frightening. Jews getting together to help black people go to the polls. That's scary. I'm sorry if that was too loud. I only have, I have to get some more sound effects in here. Up in this bit. Okay, where are we? The Democracy PAC, a super PAC founded by Soros, also reportedly infused 1.5 million into the PAC. The election will determine which party controls the Senate, and apparently Democrats are trying to take it over. By any means necessary? By what? You, what? This is not anything nefarious. Any means necessary. Funding people going to the voting booth? By pushing blacks to the polls. <gasps> that is scary. How do you deal with that? Republicans, oh, I know, you You run to the arms of an autocrat, of course. According to the latest Federal Election Committee report, the Black Pack. Oh, my God, it's got a very scary name that has black in it. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
The Black Pack, which was founded in 2016, claims there is little to no justice in the current system. <gasps> wow, that's shocking. And will turn out voters for candidates who will work to expand voting rights and access to the ballot, including the formerly incarcerated. Oh, my God. Wow, that is sick. In late October, Soros made a last-minute donation to the Black Pack in an attempt to increase turnout amongst black voters. This is a horror. Soros dumped nearly $70 million into the 2020 election including into his left-wing democracy pack. I, I, don't, I haven't checked these numbers because I don't know. So I'm just reading from this right-wing rag that clearly they haven't probably checked the numbers either, including into his left-wing democracy pack. The 68.5 Soros, million Soros spent in 2020 is more than triple the amount he paid out in the 2016 presidential election. Who fucking cares? I I, mean, I care in the way that we need to get money out of politics, but what is the point of this article? In September, Bloomberg raised more than $16 million for the nonprofit Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, which would pay the fines of the Florida felons so that they could vote. Yeah, bitch. Because you motherfuckers want to do anything to ensure that people don't get access to the civil, to, to have a say in the civilization that so many fought, bled, and died to entrust to us. So when most normal, mature democracies, um, when somebody pays their debt to society, they, the whole point of going to prison is not just to punish somebody, but it is to rehabilitate them since they're supposed to be our neighbors. We got to live with these people. So, but the, the Republicans want to create more damaged people. That's what they do. So put them in jail and damage them further. Don't rehabilitate them because, well, you know, Republicans, they're the party of life. Nobody ever makes a mistake in the Republican party. Oh, except when they do, they get, Twitler gets to, gets to pardon them, right? He even gets to pardon himself. You know, in the Republican party, you can be a agent of a foreign dictator and then lie to the FBI about it and then go lie and then admit you're when you're caught red-handed like a dirty rat that you are uh, a traitor that you are you admit it you plead guilty twice in open court and Twitler can come in and go booga 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 and take it all away and you no more no more uh Crime, you're done. But that doesn't mean that you're not a traitor. You could even go and try to kidnap 
for a Turkish... Oh, hello, Francis. How are you? Oh, shit. Francis, what the hell? Something's wrong with him. Francis, come here. You see, this is when it starts. The kitten is getting crazy, and then they're all getting nuts. What did Flynn do? He... He wanted. He was trying to kidnap somebody. <clears throat> Ex aide Flynn investigated over plot to kidnap. Yes, kidnap Turkish dissident Flynn reported. I mean, this is these people are scum. And then he was going to extra do judicially. This person is here. Escaped the. Uh, the autocracy and Michael Flynn is working for the autocrat and he's going to kidnap this person who's here as a guest in our home and he's going to take this guy back to Turkey so he can be tortured by the autocrat that is who Michael Flynn is the disgrace the disgrace to this country and the uniform scum. Well, you know, that's the thing about being a Republican. The scums, the treason, the, the, the traitors, I should say, they become heroes to the right wingers. Isn't that odd? Well, no, it's not. When you're a bunch of traitors who hate the country, who, who are your heroes? Francis. Whole fucking house is falling apart. Cats are going mad. Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. So many things. What was I saying? Oh my god. So anyway, the point is. Oh god. Oh my god. Oh my god. One last thing. There. I have so many other things I want to go on about, but everything is nuts. And. I gotta get to bed. As you can hear, my voice is cracking. I don't understand why my voice cracks all the time. <clears throat> maybe, like I'm saying, maybe this is my voice now. We just gotta get used to it. It's I'm like Demi Moore, except I'm not. I'm this. <laughs> Let me see. Doesn't she have a gra raspy voice or something? New cat. Oh, the old cats will never tolerate him. Yeah. I know. I'm hoping they'll get used to him. But you know what it is? He's such he's a he's a kitten. He's only well, now he's like 7 months, but he bothers them. He they're trying to sleep, he jumps on them, you know. And then he got them both sick, and they were tr very sick, and he was still, you know, he doesn't understand. He's still bothering them. And I don't want him to bother them because I want them to recover. So then I put Ray in the bedroom. I let him in. I shut the door, put him in the bedroom. And he went effing ballistic in the bedroom. He was nuts. He didn't want to be shut into, he didn't want to be, you know, nobody was going to put baby in the corner. That's it. He was jumping on the walls. I was like, what the hell is going on? I heard him like running and crying and banging on the walls. Flipping out. Where is Ray? Ray, Ray. 
They don't listen to me. You hear? I got to train these cats. Can you train a cat? Yes, you can. I trained, well, Tara Jr. Jr. I trained him to use the toilet. He does use the toilet. I'm thinking of training Ray. Um, Francis was toilet trained too, but then he, he has a lot of issues with his um, urinary tract. So he started peeing on the floor. So I gave him a litter box. And he uses that, but I always have a mind to maybe retrain him to see if he'll use the toilet again because he was fully trained. And then Ray, I'm trying, he's using a litter box, but I have the two cats using a litter box, and then I have Tara Jr. Jr. using the toilet. And he's like me, Tara Jr. Jr. And it's almost shocking when he acts like a cat, to tell you the truth, so... I get I get shocked by it. I'm like, oh yeah, he's a cat. All right. Well, there's so many other things that we need to talk about. That's the problem. And it just goes goodbye so quickly. What's the other thing I wanted to talk about? I said there was one last thing, and now I forgot what it was. I'm looking for it. Because there were so many other things that we were talking about. You talk amongst yourself for a minute. This is Tara Buster. It's is what you you see. What you see is what you get, really, on Tara Buster. So you know it already. Oh my God, Candace Owens, help! You see? Ugh. Oh no. Where is the goddamn article? Let me see. Who's that? Oh, that's Tara Jr. Jr. Hold on. Which one did I want to read or talk about? Hmm. Oh, okay. Here's one thing. This is one thing. Oh, hi, Tara Jr. Jr. Come on up. People want to see you. Come on. Oh, yay. On the standing desk. <clears throat> wait, wait, wait. It's a little different. Everybody, sit, sit. Tower, sit. Everybody, Tara Jr. Jr. <laughs> there he is. How you doing? Shocking. He doesn't answer me. All right. One other thing. So you guys know I voted for Joe Biden because I'm not an idiot. And um, when you're in a hole, first rule, you got to stop digging. And when you're bleeding, you got to stop the bleeding. It was triage. That's how I look at it. Not that I have any qualms that our work is cut out for us. So, really, the our work is going to be, it's going to be harder now to push this country where we need to go. But that's why we're here. We're doing it together. Thank you all for your support. But one of the things I have to say that I'm relieved about is, you know, who uh, is, is Ajit Pai. 
is going to be gone. He announced that he is um, he's leaving. Uh, now, think about all of... So he's the chair of the Federal Com- Communications Commission. The scum. He is the scum of the earth, Ajit Pai. The, the banality of evil. Somebody who... You know, during Obama, the Obama years, millions of Americans, we lobbied and we organized and we wrote letters and we influenced the FCC to ensure net neutrality. That, here, hold on, I got to put him down. Sit here, honey. that the internet would be viewed as a public utility instead of another means for corporations to ride us to the bank. And the internet is a public utility. As we know, we're all connected. It's like electricity. It's like running water. We don't, we can't live without it. So Ajit Pai, he... I, he's, he's got to be, I hadn't thought about him in a while, but then it, I read the article that he was leaving the FCC. He announced that he is leaving. Hold on. Leaving the FCC. And it all came flooding back to me. What a douchebag he is. So when people say that, you know, Joe Biden has a lot of flaws. Yes, he does. But you're not just voting for Joe Biden, or you didn't just vote for Joe Biden. You voted for, you voted to get rid of Ajit Pai. You voted to perhaps, yet again, save net neutrality, to restore net neutrality. Now, let's remember what a dick Ajit Pai is. First of all, Ajit Pai, remember this, um... A scumbag. Remember that video he created when they were dancing after the end of net neutrality? When they destroyed net neutrality, in spite of the fact that millions of Americans said, no, we want net neutrality. And then they had the open comment. See, part, you know, where you, where the public gets to comment. Oh my God, seven things. Look at this Hi, shit. I'm the chairman of the FCC. Recently, there's been quite a bit of conversation about my plan to restore internet freedom. Internet. Here's a few of the things you'll still be. Internet freedom. Fuck you. How's that? Co- point. Let's play point counterpoint. Internet. I say net neutrality, bitch. But you see how propaganda works? They say internet freedom. And when they say freedom, there is nothing more emblematic of what what they really mean when they say freedom than when they say internet freedom. Because what that is, is the corporations, the freedom of the corporate state to ride you to the bank, to fuck you yet again to take over everything that's decent, to funnel more power into the hands of a few, of the rich. Internet freedom? 
What's so? What is free? What's free about corporations getting to throttle the um, different speeds on your like on my website? So if I don't pay a higher rate, they'll slow it down. And then Disney, the Disney.com domain, has all the money in the world. So when you, especially um, you know, um, all of the yeah, it's sort of like what happened to television or radio. Now we have fewer and fewer giant media conglomerates owning the message. And the internet is really um, an equalizer. It was until Ajit Pai and the fascist fuckers who have no goddamn consideration for what the American people want. Do you see? Yet again, this was yet another example of how much they hate democracy because it doesn't matter how many millions of Americans you organize for these fuckers. This is the tyranny of the minority. And in this case, it was the tyranny of one, a corporate lobbyist scumbag. And then they, if I remember correctly, they also made um, false comments. They had all kinds of fake comments on uh, pro, pro supposed internet freedom. Oh yeah, we don't want free a free and open internet where everybody pays, the, where every website is, um, is treated equally, no matter what. We want corporations to have, you know, they to have it all. Why not? Why not complete the the takeover? But here's the end. This is what this son son of a bitch put out: internet freedom. You know, he's mocking us. Oh, we're just alarmists. Be able to do on the internet after these Obama era regulations are repealed. You can still grant. Obama-era regulations. Fuck you. You hear them? How disingenuous. Don't make any mistake, guys. They, as I've been saying forever, Republicans hate democracy. They hate America. And it's always about empowering the powerful and enriching the rich at the expense of everybody else. And taking over the internet, of course, everything doesn't, it's not a light switch. All of the sudden, when you fuck over net neutrality, it doesn't all of the sudden turn into, um, you know, the, it's, it doesn't change completely overnight. And thankfully, uh, that's the other thing. The corporations who, who, the internet service providers, then they weren't going to, to suddenly fuck us all over while everybody's got their eyes on them. They do it slowly, like the frog in the boiling water. They, just like Twitter did it, just like the, um, any fascist autocrat does it. You do it a little bit at a time. One you destroy one pillar of democracy at a time. You don't just knock the whole thing over. Oh, you son of a bitch. Obama regulations. Oh, you son of a bitch. 
I just hate them, all right? I do. Uh, you know why I hate them, too? It's also not just him because he's the scum of the earth. It's because so many people fall for it. You see, I could see right through this, this game. I know you can, but it's all the idiots. They don't say, what, what is wrong with you, idiots? Don't you see the game? I'm pointing it out to you. Are you that blinded by your stupidity and your racism? I'm sorry I repeat myself. Yeah, same thing. Are you that stupid? You think this is a whole big nefarious game of the uh, Jews taking over? Is that it? No, honey, it's the 1%. It's the oldest game. As old as recorded history and before. It's always been the rich against the rest of us, you fucking dum-dums. And they divide and conquer us. And now, in order to kick another pillar of democracy right out from under us, these scum-scums want to take over the free and open internet by calling it Obama regulations and internet freedom. Meaning what? What is so free about having to pay tolls on your internet, you freaking freak? I can't stand him. Anybody help? I mean, am I? Uh, something's going to have to happen with this mic. I'm sure it's annoying. Fucking stop shaking, Mike. Got to do something about that. your food. Oh, you bitch. It's just so carefree. I mean, with the whistling. Shut you fucking, you pretend. Like, who gets to whistle? In fascism, in the freaking corporatist state you're trying to create. Who, who's got the time to whistle in between our friggin' side gigs and our side hustle and our main gig and our second gig and our trip to the food bank? I can't whistle, obviously. Ugh. Isn't it funny? Isn't it carefree? Isn't it? Oh, don't worry, assholes. We got our fucking boot on your neck. Oh, my God. Oh. Shut your mouth! Oh my God. Oh, murder, murder. I mean, legally and peacefully, not murder. Oh, 
It's just so irritating. I'm sorry. I can't. That's why I have cats. I need my emotional support cat. Where are the cats? Do your job. Where are you? Look at us, baby. Oh, Sophie. Look, it's just so carefree. We, we're just zany. Like you, you know, corporate lobbyist, succubus, lick spittles. We're just like you putting on selfies. <sighs> oh my God. Somebody must help me. I'm looking at the chat now. Where, where is it? You can, you can still, still post, post photos, photos of cute animals. Like puppies. Shut up, bitch! That dog... Somebody call the Humane Society. Fuck you. You hate animals. Da 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 da! Oh my god. And then they had to add the little sound effects. You know, while they're screwing you. Oh, don't worry. Get in. It's only a shower. Oh, you fucking. <laughs> oh, you still shop for all your Christmas presents. Oh, oh, my God. This guy. How does one person embody everything that is sucks about earth you know I, well it's not one there's a few of them in the right well all of the republicans it really is true are all of the douchebags on the right is am i wrong do you ever i mean yet you could say a lot of shit about chuck schumer and i do he's an embarrassing old codger who i don't know Hasn't broken a sweat since 1979. But do you have to be? I guess you do. An epic, an overblown, epic, smarmy douchebag to be a Republican. To, it's, it's that old axiom, not all epic schmarmy douchebags are Republican, Recon, Republican, but all epic schmarmy douchebags are Republicans. And it's, it's them trying. Stop trying so hard. It's like Twitler. When you got to try, you seem needy. When you have to post, when you got to say, oh, can Putin be my best friend? You're, you're begging. It's unattractive. Holy shit. And that's what they do. They mimic. It's like, hey, you know what it is? I guess with this, why it's so super annoying is that there's no sincerity in it. And Republicans, 
are, it's like Twitler pantomiming humanity, pantomiming the presidency, pantomiming being a human being or being a successful businessman. Everything is a fucking pantomime. It's like a geisha, what is that? The geisha girl, the, uh, yeah, no, it's like a kabuki theater of being an actual interesting person. Oh, you could still post cute animals. Oh, isn't that lovely the way you you diminish how um how mu- how necessary a free and open internet is for a us if we have a fucking chance in hell of getting this shit back. <sighs> yes, those eclipse glasses are so cheap. Ah, uh, oh my, oh, 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 wow, wow, what a, what a dumb son of a bitch. Oh, look at this, he's wearing. Eclipse, oh, he's got a fidget spinner and some kind of gun. Some, oh my God. Because we're all so, uh, I don't know what it is. What is it? We're all just so kitsch and we're de- so derivative, I suppose, of, uh, of everything that is... Uh, has no value. I don't know what it is. Well, I'm trying to figure it out. Why it's not just annoying. It is. It has. It will probably make me want to. It does make me want to vomit. I don't know. The hate is getting even worse. I didn't realize. I knew the hate was off the chart. But it's. It's like over the moon. It, it's the mockery of our sincere and patriotic passion to save save something from the corporate fucking greedy clutches that already have their clutches around our necks. So why not diminish it by saying that all we do online, oh, is post fidget spinners. Here's my fidget spinner. Here, take two. Yeah, it's just fidget spinners and eclipse glasses, right? That's it. Because that's all we're about in between our three uniquely American low-paying jobs We don't have any time. We're so worn out that when after our 16-hour shift, well, first we do our main gig, and then we do our side gig, and then we do our door dash, that the only thing we can do is lay in bed with with eclipse glasses looking at a fucking fidget spinner. God. 
I can't. I don't know how much I can take this video. Oh, I see. It's sort of like he's being cool. Yeah, just posing there, and it goes on a little bit too long, and then it goes crosses into a even longer steady shot, and. <laughs> you can still binge watch your favorite shows. Oh, you bitch! Because that's all it's about. We just want to be distracted from our from lives that don't mean nothing are short and brutal and filled with uh, nothing. I mean, we don't get to retire. Let's, we don't get to go on vacation. We don't get to get sick. So let's just be distracted by somebody else's life. Oh, God, these cats are fucking with the lights now. Oh, you son of a bitch. Especially a show about, you know, a bunch of greedy scumbags vying for power. Yeah, well, that makes sense. A big giant wings. Ray Ray. Come here, Ray Ray. Everybody, it's Ray. Uh-oh, wait, where's the applause? <laughs> it's Ray. Everybody, his heart is beating. You've been running, haven't you? Look how Ray is. Look how Ray he is. How are you, Ray Ray? <laughs> oh, your heart is beating very very heavy, very fast. <laughs> Will you say something to the people, Ray? Hello, Ray. He's not even looking at me. Ray. You good boy. Ray, Ray? Mwah. You good boy, Ray? He doesn't know what's going on. What's happening here? You're being admired. Are you tired of being admired? Okay. <laughs> Look at him. He's our Black Lives Matters cat. BLM cat. Right, honey? We have our resist Francis Jr. Jr. Hold on. And then we have our Antifa cat, Tara Jr. Jr. And our BLM cat, Ray. All right. I needed that. Thank you, Ray. That helped. My blood pressure went down a little bit. Isn't he cute? <clears throat> All right, here we go. I don't know if I can make it to the end of this video. You can, you can still, still stay, stay part, part of your favorite, favorite fan. fan. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Can one part... I didn't know how much douchebaggery could fit in one fucking lobbyist body. You 
he's still, still driving, driving right right around. Oh, you could run memes into the ground. Oh, yeah, look how hip he is. And all of these people in this video are, are all a bunch of right-wing douchebags, too, by the way. Yeah, isn't that fun? Dancing the end of democracy. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, God. I can't. Go behind the scenes. No, thank you. Oh, my God. Let me read these. Oh, yeah. Here's some comments. They've finally done it. They've created the most punchable face of all time. I'm surprised this didn't have comments disabled. I am, too. Top 10 condom fails. Yep. Ajit Pai was the type of kid who was picked last for dodgeball and would remind the teacher about homework. How much do we need to pay to gram our food? What? That is him, Ajit Pai, holding a fidget spinner and a Nerf gun while wearing eclipse glasses. I present to you the chairman of the FCC. At first I thought it was a parody of someone else posing as Ajit Pai. Then I realized it was actually him. I'm at a loss for words. Who would do this to themselves? Oh, my God. Ajit Pai created 10,000 accounts to like this. Yeah. Who would like this video? Exactly. Down. Down. I had to down that one. All right. But Ajit Pai, let's see. Hold on. Bye, Ajit Pai. He's also known for drinking out of a big giant Reese's peanut butter cup mug that was like five times too big. I don't know if he was overcompensating for something. I have no idea. Probably for his humanity. Uh, but really, think about it. If you love democracy, if you understand democracy and what we're trying to do here, you know, what this thing of ours is supposed to be, do you simply ignore the, the millions of Americans who, who want, who said, we, you know, we won, you know what I mean? We won the fight for Net neutrality. We went through the whole process legitimately. They can't do that, you see. Yet again, doesn't matter. They're the it's the tyranny of the minority, but it's also anti-democratic and anti-American. Hence, yet again, they proved me correct. What are you doing, Ray? Hold on. Uh, I know another thing he did. The fake comments. He also lied about uh, um, the site being down, the comment site. Oh, God damn it. I hit. Ugh. I dropped the thing and then a thing and went to the thing and now the thing stopped. <sighs> Here. FCC chair admits 
millions of fake net neutrality comments distorted the repeal. Positive, positive net neutrality. So that's what they did. U.S. is investigating fake comments on net neutrality. Why? What? Who's investigating? What happened? Did anything happen? No. Because every other day there was a new offense to decency, dignity, and democracy that had to be addressed. The U.S. has launched a criminal investigation into millions of fake comments filed to the FCC last year on rules governing the Internet. The subpoena from the Justice Department. Yeah, okay. I'll be holding my breath. That was Ray who just shut the light out. Great. Um, Let's see. It's Phil. Okay, yeah, yeah. This is what is so annoying. The subpoena from the Justice Department in Washington seeks all communications with the organization about comments it filed with the FCC regarding revision, okay, get ready, of Obama-era net neutrality rules. Well, Obama did it. It must be bad. It doesn't matter if millions more Americans want it. You know, that's how democracy works. But Republicans, they can't handle that, clearly. The U.S. subpoena arrived just before the group said it got subpoenas from New York Attorney General Office on the same manner. In late 2017, Trump administration officials in charge of the FCC scaled back net neutrality rules which required broadband providers to treat all internet traffic equally without slowing some content or providing fast lanes for favored sites and services. The open record for the FCC proposal netted more than 20 million comments. A Wall Street Journal investigation found thousands of people who said their names were used without their permission to post comments about the FCC rule as well as other proposed rules on federal agency websites. Oh, my God. Well, there you go. Because that's what they do. Political operatives are faking voter outrage with millions of made-up comments to benefit the rich and powerful. Here's another. This is from BuzzFeed, from Jeremy Singer Vine and Kevin Collier in 2019. And as I say, remember, it's, and this is what this article is about, how when you're on uh, different sites, this is what Democrats don't do. They're not savvy enough. They, it's like that one of the, it's, 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 all right, let me formulate my thoughts. Like when the Democrats had their phone call, their, their after, the election meeting that was leaked and what's her name? Spamberger got all nuts about socialism, said don't say the word socialism. And then another one of the Democrats said, oh, don't worry, we'll beat them on substance because, you know, they haven't been paying attention to life uh, forever, frankly. You're not going to beat any, you're not going to beat them on substance. What they, because... 
have you not been paying attention to Twitler? He has no substance. And he lies. That's all that matters is you got to own the message. So what right-wingers do, what they do in the Heritage Foundation and all these other right-wing think tanks, they pay, it's probably interns, a lot of them. And then there are, I showed you ads that I had collected over the years of, um, of an ad from Craigslist looking for right-wing political commentators to post on blogs. So this is what they do. They pay people, it's called pay per post, and they pay people to post on internet websites and make up fake Facebook accounts and go online to give the class war against the working people, against democracy, that seeming average Joe stamp of approval. So, I need this hair in my face. Sarah Reeves sat on her couch in Eugene, Oregon, staring at her laptop screen in furious disbelief. She was reading the website of a government agency where her mother appeared to have posted a comment weighing in on a bitter policy battle for control of the Internet. Something was very wrong. For a start, Annie Reeves, who loved to lead children's sing-alongs at the Alaska Zoo, had never followed wonky policy debates. She barely knew her way around the web, let alone had held strident views on how she, it should be regulated. And according to her daughter, she definitely didn't post any angry comments on government websites. But Sarah Reeves had a more conclusive reason to feel sure that her mother's name had been taken in vain. Annie Reeves was dead. She died more than a year before the, more than a year before the comment was posted. In the spring of 2017, a virtual war was raging over the future of the internet, much of it through comments on, a web, on the website of the FCC, the government agency responsible for regulating the broadband industry. Reeves wasn't the only ghost to get sucked in from beyond the grave to do battle on behalf of the giant telecommunications companies such as AT&T and Comcast, at issue was a rule from the Obama era known as net neutrality. It was designed to protect the open web by requiring internet providers to treat traffic from all sites equally. And under Trump, the FCC was planning to scrap it. Conservatives had long branded the regulation as an assault on free enterprise, meaning assaults on... Uh, their ability to stomp on your neck. But advocates warned that its repeal would allow broadband giants to manipulate traffic in favor of the highest-paying platforms, crowding out competition and stifling free speech, which, of course, it would do. The stakes were high, and the public comment period attracted a staggering 22 million submissions. The problem was many of the comments were fake, well, only on the pro side. The New York Attorney General opened up an investigation and has since subpoenaed more than a dozen entities, estimating that as many as 9.6 million comments may have used stolen identities. But these were being tracked back to political operatives, 
But the question of how millions of identities were marshaled without consent has largely remained a mystery until now. A BuzzFeed News investigation based on an analysis of millions of comments along with court records, business filings, and interviews with dozens of people offers a window into how a crucial democratic process was skewered by one of the most prolific uses of political impersonation in U.S. history. Well, hold on to your hats. That's only the first time, I'm sure. They do it once. It's it's uh, going to be standard operating procedure of these fascist fucks. In a key part of the puzzle, two little-known firms, Media Bridge and LCX Digital, working on behalf of the industry, industry group Broadband for America, misappropriated names and personal information as part of a bid to submit more than 1.5 million statements favorable to the cause. Well, because they can't do that legitimately. It's so much easier to fake it, right? Just like it's so much easier to gerrymander and rig and kick people off the voting rolls and prevent people from voting by ensuring that they pay poll taxes of some form or moving the voting polls away. That's all you do. It's easier to just pass legislation in the dead of night to ensure that people have a harder time exercising the right that so many fought, bled, and died to entrust to us. And that's another, there you go again, another reason why, I mean, another example, not reason, another example how Republicans have no interest in in a democracy. They don't. They don't have an interest enough. Stop pretending that they do. And if if I am wrong, if they somehow, some way, come around and see the light, we will openly welcome them back into the democratic community. But until that day, we have to treat them the the way that you treat any adversary, anything that's going to kill you. And I mean metaphorically. I'm talking about their destroying democracy. That's what they're doing. You don't invite it. You don't say, oh, please, please, be, play nice. Show up, sh- have them show any interest in being bipartisan. God. Uh, show me a Republican politician that says, I got so many Democrats to vote for me. Oh, my God. I got to go. I got to go to bed. This is insane. All right. Yes. Guys, 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 guys. We're going to go. I have to go to get unconscious. I can't. I can't. I can't go on. And I want to say thank you, Robin, for your super chat. And also, high five back. Um, let's start again. Haiku, thank you for your super chat. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, JD. Thank you, Jim, for your super chat. And Errol and Garfield and Robin, you're the best. And you guys were great tonight. Thanks for hanging out. 
We'll see, hopefully, tomorrow. There's so much more to talk about. I really do. We could have, really, an epic... Oh, my God. We could go on all night. You ever hear that? Oh, <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> all right. Listen, 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 listen. Like I always say, it is true. We're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of decency, dignity, and democracy. And I hope to see you maybe tomorrow. I'm not going to promise anything. I will try. That's all I can say. But we will win because, you know, we stick together. We win. And I thank you so much. Become a patron at patreon.com. And remember, we will win. We, I already said that, we stick together, we win. I will see you very soon.